In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual. And Cinda Virtual brings you thought, leadership, and business stories from all over the world. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought, leadership, and business stories from all over the world. We also have listeners from all over the world. So, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. Now, I also invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Uh, tell me what you want to hear about on this podcast. And to get you know, just give me some ideas, some new subjects that you want to hear from us. And if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless of your business, international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today's subject. As usual, when we talk about brands, brands must consider their target audience when developed messaging. Now, this expectation has even been more intense now that consumers place greater emphasis on brands' actions. And what I mean by that is, you know, how active they are socially, you know, if they pay attention to coronavirus safety, if they're addressing systematic racism and other social issues. Now, how a brand markets itself can really impact consumer loyalty. And it also is important for brands to recognize that customers come from diverse cultures and have different values. We all have unconscious biases and draw from our own experiences as default. So it's sometimes hard for marketers to spot this in themselves when they're developing marketing campaigns. Therefore, we have to monitor diversity and inclusivity in marketing, and there are different ways to do this. And today we're going to speak with the CEO of a marketing agency that embraces diversity and inclusivity in everything they do. Tim Keane is an LA-based marketer, originally from Melbourne, Australia, whose previous day job was touring in a rock band. He learned the marketing ropes by drop-shipping sex toys and bootlegged Harry Potter merchandise, and he leveraged this experience to get his first-ever full-time job at Google Ads at Mute6, a digital agency. After scaling 
three clients by 10 times in six months. He went back to the music industry for a stint, and he started working on digital transformation in global marketing team. He then accidentally co-founded a digital marketing agency, and the rest is history. The agency has grown 10 times in the last two quarters and is poised to replicate that success in 2021. 60% of his clients have received funding and have been acquired in the last year, and 90% have increased their revenue by 100%. He works with high-growth e-commerce brands whose values and he, whose values he can get behind. His company, Loop Club, also dabbles in progressive politics and social activity. He ran a paid media campaign for Nithya Raman for city council campaign in Los Angeles. And this got her more votes than any other campaign in the Los Angeles history. And it also proved his company's commitment to diversity and social activity. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. Yeah. So, Tim, when we talk about in, uh, inclusive marketing, what what do we mean by that? It's a really great great question. I think that what we're talking about is messaging that resonates with the entirety of a population, and that's surprisingly hard, I think, for marketers to actually do. When you think about who people are typically marketing to, as you talked about, I think so eloquently in your intro, the 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 group of people who are typically making decisions about what a brand does, how a brand activates, what a brand stands for, how a brand is is put into the world. If you look at, if you just look at those people, <laughs> it's always the same kind. It's the same like four white men. Like it really, it literally is. Mm-hmm. And um, if you do that, if you if you set up your organization like that, you're you're inevitably going to miss speaking to a large swath of the population. America is very, very close to quote unquote majority minority country. Like there'll be more people who are not white than are white in this country. So it, it, from a business perspective, it doesn't make any sense to do. So inclusive marketing is really assembling a team that has a diverse range of perspectives and then allowing that team to do the marketing, to do the work, to, to, to put forward the value propositions and, and, get the value propositions across to consumers that are genuinely interesting to a diverse group of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, if if you're in one category, you know, if you're a white man from the suburbs, you might not be able to resident, resonate with, um, you know, a... a um, African American from New York City, or even somebody here in Europe. Okay, you know, different cultures play a game. So, do you think, especially t- in today's in today's economy, okay, in today's global economy, do you think that that inclusive and diverse marketing is even more important today than it was in the past? Definitely, definitely. I think I think people are more conscious now. In, in their consumption. I think that's undoubtedly true, that people are looking for productive and positive and progressive, looking for ways to make productive and positive and progressive change in their lives. And there's also more information available to consumers than there was historically. You can, if you're interested in a brand, you can go online and you can find everything about them. You can read interviews with the founders. You can watch a ton of videos. So mm-hmm. your skepticism radar is pretty high. There's a combination of a lot of content available 
and people have the ability to do research, to communicate with each other, to talk about things they like and don't like about a brand. Brands need to be monitoring Twitter and all of those things for <laughs> conversations. If a brand missteps or does something that within this space, and this is like, you can easily, if you're not really paying attention, you can easily make mistakes in this way. You mm. can easily do this wrong. So it is extremely important. And like I said, I think it goes back to letting people make decisions who are really in the group of consumers that you're trying to speak to. Because mm -hmm. there's, a, there's an upside to doing it correctly or doing it effectively. And there's a massive downside to doing it incorrectly as well. So it's very, very important to any organization. Yeah, I think, I mean, that incorrect, you know, comes back to that because I can, I can think of a couple bloopers from brands over the past <laughs> couple of years, you know, we've seen exactly. those. Exactly. But, you know, I want to, I want to come now. So, you know, we always think about um, income levels, um, cultural differences, race, um, nationality, and, and Ketchum just came out since the pandemic. Um, with a really interesting study on redefining consumers. And they redefined them into four groups uh, after, you know, that kind of emerged out of the pandemic. Um, can you just talk about that a little bit and, and maybe how they redefined the consumers? Absolutely. I was really interested and I appreciate you sending me this. So there's four groups of consumers that they're thinking about. And when I think about these studies, I usually try to relate this data to a feeling that I've had at some point, even if I'm not having this feeling the whole time, I think it helps understand the, the category or the bucket of people. So the four categories are retro re-engages. So that's 33% of people who are ready to return to the world as it was. They don't believe in face masks. masks. They're less likely to prioritize diversity and inclusion. The second would be open-minded explorers. So that's 22% of consumers and they are most likely to change brand preferences post-COVID. They have new priorities and they are more likely to be, the study suggests, open and educated and more likely to be influenced by advertisers and bloggers. Mm -hmm. Then there's worried withholders, which are 20% of consumers who prefer their comfort zone. So they're relatively centrist and, and not comfortable in shared spaces, have not necessarily changed their brand preferences and consider advertising less influential. That's an interesting, it's always interesting when people say they don't, they're not affected by advertising, but these people think they're not affected by advertising. And then the last group is cautious questioners who will keep their distance but until they know more. So these are politically liberal, twice as likely as the average American to feel very uncomfortable visiting shared spaces, more likely to have an underlying health risk and most likely to feel positive about companies prioritizing diversity inclusion in the wake of Black Lives Matter protests. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, this is completely different, okay? I mean, we, we, would, we used to think about these consumer groups in a different way. So, um, I mean, we all know the pandemic, uh, the crisis has changed everything. And so, as a marketer, when you're thinking about these four groups, what kind of shifts do you have to make in your approach to marketing with these four groups as you did in the past? So the pandemic has changed everything, but it's also, in my mind, just accelerated things that were happening already. So if mm -hmm. you were, for people who were already paying attention to trends and who were marketing to segments of the population, what you're finding is that the trends and the segments are, are amplified. So these groups of people have always really been present within a, a purchasing population. So there's always been a certain percentage of the population who are less 
um, interested in diversity and inclusion than others. There's always been a certain percentage of open-minded people who are ready to try new brands. We used to call them early adopters. Um, the difference here is that it's happened to everyone at once. A massive frame shift has happened in everyone's reality at once. And this is making these differences between different kinds of people seem more extreme and making change. It's more easy for people to imagine change in their behavior because they just had change imposed on them. So that's mm -hmm. why, for instance, e-commerce grew as much as it grew in the last 10 years, in the last six months. Yeah. Um, simply because people all of a sudden they're forced into change by a shift in reality and that shift in reality can have, it can be reactionary, right? So some people react to that badly and that what differently and they say, I'm not willing to prioritize diversity and inclusion. Some people lean more into things they were already thinking or they, they see more of the injustice. The, the pre-existing injustice in the world is revealed to them more. And then some people are more worried or, or, more mm -hmm. skeptical of going back into the world, but it has the, the fundamental way that you market to people has not changed mm -hmm. in that you are still identifying a group of people that you want to speak to finding a value proposition that resonates with them and then getting it in front of them cost effectively. What has changed is that the groups are more extreme and behavior is easier to imagine changing now. People have changed, mm -hmm. everyone changed their behavior. Hundreds of millions of people all changed their behavior. So it takes, it's a, it's a lower lift for at least some of these groups of people to change their behavior again and yeah. purchase a product. Yeah, it, it's really interesting, Tim, because when you, when you think about it and you look at, read this study and you read about these kind of four groups, you know, what we used to pay attention was age and things like that. And, and it's still there, but it's not as evident because, you know, if you look at Generation Z, okay, I mean, they've never gone through a crisis before, whereas baby boomers might have. So that they may be more flexible and might, you know, go into a, a group that's like open-minded explorers. So it's not that much on age anymore. It's really on these consumer groups. Um, I mean, what do you think of that when it comes to marketing? Have, have we just kind of lost this all or is it just kind of buried in the next layer in these groups? I think those those traditional categories of age, economic brackets, et cetera, they're still relevant at a, at a, at a high level but in the mm -hmm. sense that when you decide, when you're bringing a product to the market for the first time, it suits a particular demographic. It still fits mm -hmm. an age group. Right. It still fits a certain category of people. But then within those categories, you're, you're always thinking about, okay, who is most likely to purchase this product? Who, mm -hmm. is, who, within, the, who within the addressable market is going to go first. Who's who's the yeah. easiest to push over the edge? What are the characteristics of those people and how can I how can I profitably or cheaply acquire those customers quickly? And then you move out from there. You find people mm -hmm. who have the most affinity for your brand and then move out from there. And I, I think this yeah. does speak to something that is really evident in this study which is there's a large group of people who now publicly in their preferences have preferences for brands that are politically engaged or mm -hmm. prioritize diversity or uh, uh, have kind of progressive ideologies. Yeah. Um, and they didn't, they weren't, there, there are more people who are willing to state that publicly and make it a, a part of their 
their conscious decision-making process than previously, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good point and a good point to take a break on because when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that and, and how I see there's so much value-based in some of these consumer groups now, as you said, people speaking out and talk about you know how, how do brands then react to this and how do they build an inclusive marketing plan and uh, for our listeners we are speaking with Tim Keen and he's an LA based marketer and his uh, company is Loop Club and it was a company that he accidentally found and it's it embraces inclusivity and we're talking to him about what that means in marketing and if you want to learn more about Loop Club go to www.loopclub.com Loop Club, and for Tim, he's on LinkedIn under Tim Keen, and I can sure you can find you on all kinds of social media, and you can find Loop Club on Facebook and Twitter. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, and market research and legislative white papers. And if you want to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Everybody has the key to a good story. Business is made up of some of the best. Starting a business from the ground up, acquisitions, reinventing business and personal lives, stories of fraud, lessons, good stories, and not so good ones. They all come together on Business Disrupted with Ted Gavin. We'll learn what lives behind the scenes of some of the most interesting figures and companies in business. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You 
are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we're talking about a very important subject. We're talking about inclusivity and diversity in marketing. And we're talking with Tim Keene, and he's the CEO of Loop Club, and that's www.loop.club. And they are an LA-based company, and Tim is a uh, co-founder and has a very unique back- background in music and a lot of other things, Tim. And um, you really value inclusivity and diversity in in your company and in marketing. And so that's why we chose to talk to you about this and some great insights up to now. And I want to I want to come back to to this Ketchum thing very quickly, Tim. So you know all these kind of new consumer groups. Um, all seem to have some kind of value base in them. And if you read that study uh, in the Ketchum study, it says that the uh, since the pandemic, people value social activity and value either racial justice or um, any kind of social activity. And 45% of consumers have changed their brands to brands who are more socially active or socially considerate. That's a huge number. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of that? Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's <laughs> huge. You're absolutely right. Forty-five, Getting 45% of people to do a thing, it's pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how, you know, when brands, you know, so, you know, people have changed because they want to see it. And, and I'm trying to think of, you know, when I think of brands, you know, giving us um, information or trying to set trends or give, you know, uh, encourage diversity and inclusion, you know, I think back to 2002 when Unilever did the uh, Dove Real Beauty uh, pledge, okay, and that you know that's 15 years ago, okay, mm-hmm. and um, it really changed things. H- have you seen anything today, or any brands who have really shifted in their messages since the pandemic? So I think you have to think about this in a couple of different levels of of what we consider a brand, because there's these global national mm-hmm. brands like Unilever who are obviously responding to international trends and ensuring that their marketing is allocated effectively to to cover a really, really wide swath of the population. Where I think, and that's one piece of the, the puzzle, I would say they're a lagging indicator of consumer interest because they're large organizations and obviously they're mm-hmm. moving very quickly right now, but they're very big. What I would say is more a leading indicator of where I think we're going as an economy is uh, younger brands that are owned by owned by or founded by queer people, people of color or women, um, where people you're really putting your money where your mouth is. So the brand you you are buying into a brand story that is specifically about reallocating money to people who historically are not allocated very much money in American capitalism. And people are excited to do that. People form connections and long-term connections with the brands and people and these we're seeing these brands grow very quickly 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but you know, if you're if you're a brand out there and and you want to make sure, or or even if you're just a smaller business, and you want to make sure that you are being um, diverse and you are being inclu- inclusive, what? How do you approach your marketing plan? What are some some tips, you know, to try to make sure you cover those bases so you're not missing different consumer groups? That is a great question. And I think this is where things get a little actionable. I know that you said at the top we want actionable insights. And yeah. my insight, my actionable tip here would be consider what your actual levers are and use them. And if you're at the C level, if you run a company, even if it's a small business, your levers are mostly hiring. Hiring is mostly where you influence your organization. So just hire, just hire more diversely. Like just do it. It's very easy. <laughs> It's easier, I would say, because there is an incredibly large talent pool. When you, there is a, in marketing, it's, you see this all the time. You see like a lot of the same kind of white guys in marketing who get promotions every year, who kind of continue up organizations. And then you see there's an incredible pool of talent that aren't being rewarded because of the nature of the industry. And you can just hire, you can just hire Mm -hmm. more diversely. And, mm-hmm. and and in, in doing that, it solves all the other problems for you downstream. In doing that, you suddenly start making marketing plans that are more diverse. You suddenly start making products that are more diverse. You suddenly start building a more, a better workplace culture. You suddenly start having to confront your own whatever kind of unconscious or systemic or those kinds of biases that are already in the institution. Hiring is the is the lever for an executive or for someone who is who is at a senior level and you can do anything hiring's amazing mm-hmm. and and when you're hiring and you're talking about diverse teams um i always like to to bring this up cuz i think you know people when we're talking about diverse teams um you know one of the one of the things that really makes a term to team diverse is also um generational, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, age. And it, it seems like sometimes, you know, people will think of ethnicity, they'll think of, um, you know, other, you know, race and other things, and they won't think of age. And you got a lot of spending power um, in in the, you know, older age groups. So how important is it also to mix mix the generations in your team? That's a really great, great question. And it's, it's a blind spot of ours. I think we have we have hired people who are mostly our age, and I think many organizations do that. And it's something that I would love to to work on a little bit. I think there is. I mean, I remember when my mom my mom did a law degree pretty late in her life, and it was it was difficult for her because organizations just want to hire twenty three year olds to work eighty hours a week. You know, like it's it's challenging, and and I think we. As you mentioned that, we as an organization need to think about that a little bit. I've spoken to some some older marketers who have like just extreme skill sets, different ways of thinking about things, um, information that the, the younger generation would never have. And I completely agree. This is this is really important. Yeah. And I, I, I see that happening. And, you know, you do have the babe, you know, you know, I'd say the over 50 group, um, you know, going back into the workforce and people don't want to retire anymore. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of contribution can get there. And and with, with when you're talking about these teams, you know, so you have you're ha- building this diverse team so we can speak to your customers. And how do you listen to your customers when you're starting to do this? I mean, what as a marketer, what's what's, you know, uh, what do you 
do in your company to, to make sure you hear what the customers want? Because that, that is when you talk about startups, a lot of startups fail because they don't listen to their customers. So h- how do you go about doing that the right way? This is, I think, tip tip two. And everyone everyone says this, and I'm, I'm going to say it again, because if you're not already doing this, you need to listen to me. <laughs> if you are at this, if you are at a senior level in your company, Talking and listening to your customers is maybe the most important thing you can do. I think secondly would be talking and listening to your staff. But talking, it is unbelievable the amount of value that comes out of a single customer interaction. Simultaneously with that, it's unbelievable how few people are really doing this. Get them on the phone. If you if you launch a product and you have a few sales, it's very easy to do in, in e-commerce or in, in online retail. Get your first few customers on the phone. Email them, be like, hey, thank you for buying the product. Like, would love to hear what you think about it. We'll give you whatever you need. We'll give you another free product. We'll give you a coupon. We'll give you a thing. You, as an executive, take the time to talk to that customer, spend 20 minutes with them, listen to, and then do a sales discovery with them. And by that, I mean, don't talk in that 20 minutes, <laughs> listen to that person, get them to tell you the story of how they got to where they are at in their lives or in their careers. This works for B2B as well, how they got to where they are, what they're trying to do and how, whether or not, how effectively has your product helped them do that and get them to be really honest with you. Don't let them like, they're going to be a little intimidated by the fact that you just got them on the phone. So Make like keep asking probing questions until they give you a real, a genuine review of the product that is actionable. It has two things that they would would have liked in the future, and maybe a couple of things that they liked as well. Not only is this so valuable, and you'll find your your whole product roadmap will change straight away. It, it will. There's, it's inevitable. Not only will it change everything, but you'll make you'll probably make a sale out of it. The experience of talking to your customer builds trust with them. And what they they don't want a completed perfect product right away. They want an organization that is on their side in helping them solve the problem. So that experience of just being being there with them and being like, "What are you trying to do? We're here to help you do it." Builds even more trust in the customer. It creates mm-hmm. they're they're more likely to refer you to someone. They're more likely to bring you in on their bigger projects or their bigger deals. But I cannot I cannot stress enough the value of talk, literally talking to customers. And, and I think you just said what the most important thing is, is when you're doing that, you're listening and it builds trust. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's where, you know, when you're dealing with some of the, the, um, the companies that you deal with, with your agency, um, isn't it kind of important to, to emphasize with them, you're not just selling a product, but you're building a loyal customer and that customer has to trust you. Exactly. So an agency relationship is a really interesting and extremely difficult kind of relationship, kind of transaction. Because when someone signs with an agency, especially something like ours, a performance marketing agency, they're signing on to months of work, necessary alignment, and a deep, like immediate connection to revenue. If we mess up, it's going to make a massive difference to your bottom line right away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're going to, if, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a low level entrepreneur or, or a solopreneur and you run a small business and we mess up, your business is in trouble. If you're a VP of marketing or if you're a C level you and we mess up, you might get fired. 
So the stakes of an agency relationship are extremely high. And we're dealing with a lot of money. These clients are spending tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on paid media, and we're managing that spend for them. So the level of trust that you need to enter into one of those transactions is, again, it's extremely high. So it's taught me a lot trying to, like, as I build that funnel and as I build the piece, the, the touch points that people have before they come to an agency, it's a very extreme version of what mm -hmm. most brands need to do. And it really is about listening and trust. It's about people understanding that you have their back, that you will respond to their needs and that you're not just going to vanish. You're not just going to kind of drop them and leave. And I think that those, those things apply to, to most transactions. It's, it's yeah. really on display with these long-term uh, done for you agency relationships, but it, it applies mm -hmm. to every product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ma makes a lot of sense. Um, Tim, we're going to take a, a, a break on that. I want to, I'm going to stay with that trust, and I'm going to. When we come back, I want to talk about, you know, the how the consumer behavior has changed, and a little bit about e-commerce. Okay, because um, as you said, you know, it, it's exploded in the last year, um, and you know, there is a different kind of relationship with the consumer, and I'd like to talk to you about that. So for our listeners, we are talking with Tim Keen, and he is the CEO of Loop Club. And you can look up Loop Club on www.loop.club. And this is an LA-based marketing agency, uh, performance marketing agency. And Tim has a huge background um, in marketing. And Loop Club has grown 10 times in the last two quarters and is poised to replicate that success in 2021. And 60% of his clients have received funding or been acquired in the last year. And 90% have increased their revenue or from over 100% or 100%. So please reach out to Tim on LinkedIn under Tim Keen and go to Loop Club, www.loop.club. And if you have questions, please reach out to me at leadershipdionborders at gmail.com. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and so local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, market research and legislative uh, information and white papers and you can find out more about Cinda on www.cinda.org and Cinda will be holding, hopefully will be holding a live conference in Berlin in October 2021 and with that we're going to take a short break and Tim when we come back I want to hear what's going on in the world of e-commerce. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Everybody has the key to a good story. Business is made up of some of the best. Starting a business from the ground up 
acquisitions, reinventing business and personal lives, stories of fraud, lessons, good stories, and not so good ones. They all come together on Business Disrupted with Ted Gavin. We'll learn what lives behind the scenes of some of the most interesting figures and companies in business. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Tim Keene as a CEO of Loop Club, and they are a he a LA based marketing agency. And Tim is a LA based marketeer. And um, Loop Club, if you want to learn about Loop Club, you can go to www.loop.club. And we've been talking about diversity, inclusivity in marketing. We've been talking about consumer shifts and and where the consumer t- is today. And this all brings me to the new consumer, um, e-commerce, Tim, because, you know, e-commerce has just exploded. Uh, We in Europe here are still in lockdown. I know in the United States you do have some shops open, but we have been in lockdown without shops open since before Christmas. So, um, you know, what has happened here with e-commerce? Well, I will tell you that from my perspective, I have I sat down at the beginning of the pandemic. I sat down at my computer, and I have not yet stood up. That's how it. <laughs> that's how it feels to me. Yeah. In, in a in a larger sense, in a macro sense, it has been Shopify shared a graph, and I think it has been something like ten years of growth, or the equivalent of the last ten years of growth in the last six months. It's incredible, incredible growth. Um, obviously, I've been in e-commerce for a while, and and. The people who've been in the industry have been experiencing growth this whole time, but nothing like this. This is mm-hmm. everyone is an e-commerce customer now. Absolutely, the e-commerce is the default mode of of transacting. 
So, I mean, when you said everybody's in e-commerce, I I just want to I want to reference a study that was actually done here in Germany um, at the University of Münster here, um, not so far from where I am. And they talked about three consumer groups in, in or three reasons people buy and one was kind of utilitarian because they need something you know um, they need a coffee machine they need a hand sanitizer they need something um, hedonic which is kind of more pleasure buying you know I'm looking for a new sweater or something like that and more normative which means they really have to buy because and that would be here in Germany where I am you know the stores are closed okay you can't you know um, what's equivalent to a Home Depot in Germany is definitely not open. It hasn't been open until before Christmas. So if if my husband has something he wants to do around the house, he has to order it online. So you have these kind of three reasons for buying. But this consumer groups, like, how do you target? You know, if you're working with a, a customer that is doing e- e-commerce, how do you know who to target where in this confusing environment? So I think that Ultimately, this comes back to the product, the media, the channel, the product, the channel, and the customer, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So the product, you, by the time you get to me, you've already got a product. If, you're, if you own a company, you already have a product. You, you, have, you have something. You know whether your product is utilitarian or hedonic or normative mm-hmm. in the yeah. sense that if you sell hand sanitizer, you know that people need your product for a specific reason because they need to sanitize their hands. If you sell a coffee machine, ex- ex- the same thing is true. So once you know those things, that will help you determine the channel mix. And by that, I mean, where do people buy utilitarian items and how much are they willing to spend for them? And I, I am no fan of Amazon. Uh, I mean, it's a very impressive company, but I'm, I don't mm. like it. But it is also a, uh, a place where people go to buy utilitarian essentials. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hedonic needs are... Uh, you need to do a little more discovery, right? Hedonic needs are, are needs that people don't have until you give them to them, until mm-hmm. you show someone that they could do something or that they want to do that. So you're going to need a discovery channel. You're going to need Facebook or Google Shopping or probably Facebook, realistically. And then these normative needs, I think, I think things that are, I think normative to me, I like this study a lot, but to me, this normative thing means that that fits into one of these other categories. People either mm-hmm. buy things because they need them or they want them. Right. Your job as a marketer is to merge those two categories and to make people <laughs> feel like I need and want this now. And that is that's I remember my one of my mentors at my last agency saying that what you need to do is create this feeling of of fear of missing out. Your job is to make people feel like there's something very special happening, that this particular product is going to solve a unique need, a unique need for you, and it's available exclusively right now. Mm-hmm. So the channel that you choose to go to market with is going to make a big difference there. You probably have data on what channels are effective for your brand already. Mm-hmm. If not, uh, I would suggest testing Facebook if, if you have a product that is not purely utilitarian. It, it, you, need, you need that specialness factor. You need something which is like, we do this, this is a coffee maker that has 12 different settings of, of grinder that you've never used before. This is hand sanitizer that is very, very high quality and special and specific for a different reason. People need a, a personal discovery method. And this might be a little different in Europe. This is, I think, quite American. This is a pretty American sensibility. But you do need to give someone a real reason to buy that is that is specific to the brand. 
I think your question was also about targeting. How do you target mm. those people? And then I think it comes, again, it comes back to whatever the best practices are of the channel that you're using. So on Facebook, you're going to want to be using high quality lookalikes based on your best customers. So you're going to want to export and upload customer lists to Facebook. If, if you're not doing that already, you're definitely leaving money on the table. So that will, that will, that's going to be your most effective mechanism of targeting people and then let the algorithm do its thing. As long as you're providing very good quality creative that, again, speaks to that fear of missing out. There's something's going on that I'm missing. The other way to do it is obviously Google is a great method for targeting customers because they're searching with intent. People are going on the internet and they're looking for something and you have the ability as a marketer to put something in front of them, whether it's through Google search or through Google shopping or another Google product. My tip here would be to consider Google shopping before you consider Google search. It is mm -hmm. considerably cheaper. The cost per clicks are cheaper. The conversion rate is higher. And again, there is search intent. My clients are spending probably 40% of their total Google budget on Google shopping. This is in the US again. Mm -hmm. But I would suggest if you are under investing there, there is almost certainly money left on the table there. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Coming back to to what we're talking about uh, before about in inclusivity and diversity, I mean, you know, everybody's online now, so it really is about the product. And another question I had for you when when you're doing this marketing strategies um, to to make sure you're getting into the right cus uh, consumer, most consumers, and I think there's a, there was a U.S. study that says 88 percent of U.S. consumers, and I think it was from Deloitte, it said uh, or KPMG said 61 percent research. So how how do you get through? the the seas of research so that you you know get your product out there in front of that consumers who's ready to buy because I'm looking at a ton of different things before I decide to buy. Is there this any is a, a really mm -hmm. great question. So what you need to do is is make sure that your content team is working alongside your performance marketing team. So the performance mm -hmm. marketing team's job is to get the message in front of people at a cost-effective price so that you are generating a return. I'm buying Facebook ads with high quality creative and I'm paying a dollar per click. 3% of people are converting and my product is $150. So I'm profitable. I'm making money that way. But how do they go from that first click to the purchase? That is a question for the whole organization. That's a question for the content team. It's a question for the performance marketing team. It's a question for the executive team. And if you look at that path to purchase, it has to be a series of unbroken yeses at every stage. And they're going to go on a non-linear purchasing journey. They're going to click an ad. They're going to leave the website. They're going to watch a YouTube video. They're going to read an article. They're going to go on a blog. They're going to look at your Twitter. They're going to do all of this stuff. So you really do need to take, for lack of a better word, an, um, an omni-channel approach and, and mm -hmm. be everywhere and think about what information is valuable to your target customer at each stage of the purchasing journey and really valuable, genuinely valuable. So it might be, to go back to our, our jewelry example, it might be a sizing guide or it might be an article specific to kind of queer jewelry making or queer jewelry owning, or it could be a, um, could be a founder's story. It could be the founder of the company talking about how they created the company and what it means to them to be a genderqueer person. And think about the, the, the path to purchase all the way from discovery to 
oh, okay, I, I want to purchase that all the way to, okay, I'm ready to go now. And think about what pieces of information someone would want to make a real considered purchase decision at all points in time, mm -hmm. because they're going to think about it. They're going to think about it. They're going to yeah. do their research. Yeah. And I think at this point, in the game, there's not very many tricks left that work. There's not very many like, mm. oh, if you just hack this thing and do this <laughs> kind of post, it'll drive X million yeah. revenue. It's not going to happen. Just yeah. give people value, make their decision easier, and be genuine with your customers about what you offer and how it's going to benefit them. And that's where that, and that's in that content is also where that inclusivity and diversity comes in, huh? Exactly. You know, so mixing that in. So um, we're getting towards the end of our show, but I have a quick question on on mobile because you know here in Europe, um, especially in Scandinavia and, and uh, the parts of Germany I'm in, you know everybody everybody's searching on mobile. Is is the uh, is the marketing concepts to meet all those consumer groups the same on the mobile, or is it a little bit different? It's it's quite different. So here in the US, I'm not sure if it's as extreme in Europe yet, at least last time I was in Europe, I didn't feel this to be the case, but 85% from one of my clients, and this is pretty consistent across the board, 85% of all traffic is mobile. Yeah. So the desktop experience should be an afterthought. It should be, unless you are in B2B, unless you're in B2B and you know your target customer is sitting on a computer all day. If you are in direct-to-consumer or in e-commerce, your customer is almost exclusively purchasing on mobile. Yeah. So what does that yeah. mean? That means that your site experience is paramount. If your page is slow, if your page doesn't load, if it is difficult to use your website, if it's difficult to pass the information, people will just go elsewhere. If it takes more than three seconds to load the website, people will go elsewhere. If they don't have customer reviews on on site, if they can't find all the information in a, in a single scroll, people will go elsewhere. So mm -hmm. the first thing that this mobile first culture does is influences site experience. And you need to dial in that site experience. And there's many low cost ways to, to do that. The so second is the creative that you make. And I know I've, mm -hmm. I've talked a little bit about creative, but I, I want to hone in on this now. Create, when you make an ad for Facebook, it should be designed to be seen by someone who is looking at a phone. Imagine someone who has glasses, who's looking at their phone from 10 feet away from their face. Yeah. And the message should, with no sound, and the message should still be 100% clear. It should be completely obvious to that person what you're selling, what the benefits are, and how it will positively impact your life. So the mm -hmm. way to do that, Everyone needs to stop making widescreen creative tomorrow. If you are still making a 16 by 9 video for your product video, it is, it is completely pointless. Think about the way that you scroll through a feed. Uh, you're scrolling upwards. So one by one or four by five long by, video that is longer than it is wide takes up more space in the feed. So mm -hmm. you, are, you are necessarily getting a discount. You're paying less for, the, for more attention units of people's time. That, do that tomorrow. Second thing, text on screen in all creative. People have their sound off. Everyone has their sound off. If you are relying on someone to turn the sound on in their video, you've lost them already. It's yeah. just not going to happen. And then the third thing is zoom in. Show the product. Show what is the actual product. What do the tassels look like? What do the features look like? What is the zip like? What happens when I open or close it? If it's B2B, screen, screen cap of the website. What does it look like when I click this button? What does the portal look like? What is the... Uh, onboarding experience look like. People want 
information on detail and they want to know what's going to happen to them. And yeah. the closer you can show that, it's going to feel, when you're editing, it's going to feel claustrophobic. It's going to feel like it's too much. But by the time this gets rendered down to someone's feed and compressed and like put on a phone, it's very, very, very effective. Yeah. I mean, that goes, that goes for me when you said, uh, make sure you can see, <laughs> see, see the screen, behold the thing. Well, uh, Tim, we're, get, we're, we're, we're kind of at the end now. Um, one last quick sentence for our listeners. This has been great. Um, love your enthusiasm on, on, on the new consumer groups, uh, diversity, inclusivity. If you have one quick message, what would that be? Uh, hire, hire, hire a diverse group of people. Just do it. Just don't just next time you, next time you're making a hiring decision, just think very seriously about what the impact of that decision will be on the organization and whether it helps you create the organization that you want to. Yeah, and, and and I think that's a great way because when you get that diverse organization, you're going to be able to get those diverse customers and those consumers. So thank you so much for being with us today. And for our listeners, we've been talking with Tim Keen, and he is the CEO of Loop Company, and that's www.loop.club. Uh, excuse me, I said company, loop.club. Okay, and he's an L.A.-based marketer. Um, Loop Club has grown 10 times in the last two two quarters and is poised to replicate that in 2021 and with a great diverse team of marketers to serve you. And if you'd like to contact Tim himself, please go to LinkedIn under Tim Keen. So Tim, once again, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a great discussion and I hope that you know the marketers out there really listen to your advice. Thank you so much, Kimberly. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. So our listeners, uh, another week gone by. Um, this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. If you want to learn about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org and you'll get a lot of information on, on our digital and virtual trainings, conferences, and market research. And if you'd like to reach out to me, please reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And don't forget to listen to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m., and if you miss us, don't worry, because we are on every major podcast channel. And thank you again, and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.